So welcome, Mario. Thank you so much for giving some of your weekend up to come on and help us. I'm Natasha. Um, Pleasure is mine. Thank you for having me. No, you're welcome. Absolutely. Um, so this is our chain chat series where we ask some people some questions about blockchain, Web3, crypto. And what we do is we get each guest to leave a question for the next guest. Now, our previous interviewees, were there were two, and they both left a question. Um, the first one's pretty easy, I think. What was your gateway drug into Web3? Oh, okay. It's, it's extremely easy. I That's actually a really good question. I was from the e-commerce world. So I launched an e-commerce business about a decade ago that still exists today, doing extremely well. And I wanted to expand outside of something I'm comfortable with. And blockchain to me as a technology, like I didn't have nothing about NFTs, nothing about, um, you know, Bitcoin being a transfer of value or a medium of exchange. None of those things. Just like, hey, we're decentralizing the internet. That was the, the, the story back in 2017. And that got my attention and that well, that's what got me into blockchain. And that's how I launched IBC, the initially the consulting firm. Okay, great. And then the second question that they left for you, which may be a little bit more difficult, depending. Um, what one action have you done in the last week to support diversity in Web3? Um, so diversity, can you define diversity? I, I want to be clear. I'll make sure I answer it accurately. Uh, we can go as vague as you like, but we generally talk about um, inclusion of uh, historically underrepresented groups in Web3. Well, I can give you a cheesy one and I can give you an honest one. The cheesy one, I retweeted a tweet. In, I tweeted something two days ago about how it's nice to see uh, we need more women women's within Web3 and we need better support for women's rights, especially considering what's happening, happening in Iran. Mm -hmm. Now, that's a cheesy one because it's very easy for someone to just tweet something. Now, something I do on a regular basis, on a daily basis to support diversity in, in crypto and outside of crypto is just treating everybody equally. I don't care where you're from, what your sexuality is. I don't care about anything about you. Like for me, I really don't care about anything except what you have to say and what's happening inside your brain. That's how I've always functioned um, to an extreme level. Mm -hmm. And I think that's needed further in Web3 because some people do take men more seriously over women. Um, or there's a project, there's an NFT project. L listen how crazy this, this is. Uh, Natasha, there's a project that had a, a, an undoxed founder. That means nobody knew who the founder is. And the project was doing extremely well. Then the founder doxed himself and he went on a Twitter space. When he went on, he had an Indian accent. As soon as he started speaking, the project dropped by um, a significant amount, 20%, 30% or something along those lines, which is ridiculous because some of the Smartest people I know, some of my closest friends are Indian, the biggest incubator in crypto or one of the biggest TD5 who I'm really close with, they actually live with me in this, in, in this big place here in Dubai, they're Indian. So it just fascinates me how ignorant people can be in the space to this day. Mm. Yeah, no, we're having a few conversations around that recently with all of the, at least on social media, with the 
anonymity and it's kind of like a double-edged sword because you kind of need to know who is participating to make sure that everybody has an equal chance but at the same time as you said with this example it gives people a chance to to you know gain attention when they might not have otherwise unfairly you know i think this is one of the advantages of pseudo-anonymity pseudo-anonymity is allows someone to create an online persona a decentralized persona completely unlinked from the physical world. Punk 6529 uh, is a representation of this. Now, the positive thing is it allows someone that for whatever reason is does not get equal rights or equal representation in the physical world to get another shot. There's multiple examples. It just could be a, a student in Nigeria that just happened to be extremely intelligent, but he would not be treated the same way as a mildly intelligent person in the UK. So that's the beauty about pseudo-anonymity and something that's not being discussed enough, something that excites me a lot. The reason I bought my punk and I believe in, in the PFP hype in, in the NFT space is that it allows someone to have a separate identity to their physical self. It also allows you to have a digital identity of yourself that's not that exciting. You can just put a photo of your face. Um, there's a downside to pseudo-anonymity in that it, at least for now, it doesn't, it doesn't carry the same risk if you do something bad, uh, whatever that is. So you don't have that same level of accountability as you do with an actual physical life, real world or physical world identity. Hmm. No, I think it's worth looking into a lot more and, and weighing up the pros and cons of it for sure. All right, let me steer it in a bit of a different direction then. So um, you obviously have a few years of experience in, in this space. Are you more into crypto, NFTs, the, the, the building of the code behind it? Where, yeah, where I'm, you... I'm, really bad. I'm really bad with tech. So I, a brief overview about myself. I got into the space in 2017. I launched IBC, which started as a consulting firm, later became a marketing firm, and now it's an incubator accelerator, doing extremely well. Uh, it's got a media arm as well, so I host the biggest live show in crypto, the, the Twitter space that we do. And we have the, um, we've acquired assets and we're building them up. I can't disclose more about that. That's an IBC, and then I'm the co-founder of NFT Tech. Uh, which is um, a public company now on the European and Canadian stock markets. It's got the NFT ticker in Canada, and uh, it's run by Adam Decada, ex Decentraland, and it's it, he's he's incubating Metaverse project, doing extremely well. So that's where I come from. I'm more the operator, like I know where the space is heading. I understand the space, but I still tip my hat to the people building, the developers. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's the basics. All right. So where, what would you say for somebody who's just trying to get into this whole space? Where would you suggest they go first to start learning? Yeah, so it's a good question. Um, if you look at Web1, if you compare it to where it is today and where it was in the early days, it was a slow evolution of adding, moving things from the physical world to the web one and then web two world. In other words, moving events to the internet, moving meetings to the internet, moving interactions to the internet, moving uh, signaling to the internet, moving gaming, moving entertainment. The same jobs that existed in the physical world now exist in the virtual, in the digital world. So now we've got web three. We've got like a decentralized ecosystem. 
So that's what Web3 is. Web1 is the movement of information. Web2 is two-way interaction. So Web1 is info, Web2 is social, and Web3 is digital ownership. So if someone's looking at this space, I'm like, I'm not a devil. I knew nothing about, I barely understood blockchain when I got into the space, but I knew how to operate a company and hire the right people and organize systems. So that was my strength and I applied it to Web3 or whatever buzzword you want to use. So if someone organizes events, well, you can organize crypto events. That's a good way to enter the market. If you're a developer, obviously, it's really easy. If you're a marketer, again, it's really easy. Now, if you're a doctor, it's still too early, but you can start looking at how, all right, what is that metaverse and how can I offer my services in that ecosystem? And already doctors are using virtual reality to perform surgeries. Still extremely early, and virtual reality is not really, it's very different to an open metaverse. I was about to tweet something about this today, but it's it's heading in that path. So you could look at what you're doing in the physical world and 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 apply it in that Web3 world or physical or Web2 world and apply, move it to the Web3 world. And if you're an entrepreneur just starting out, my answer is very cheesy, very basic. Educate the hell out of yourself and embed yourself within the community. There is nothing that will give you the same ROI to this right now. Mm-hmm. And educate yourself where? YouTube, University of YouTube, or do you have any tried and trusted sources of reliable info? Yeah, um, you'd want to avoid any channel that's hyping up a project. It's really that simple. If you do that, I think you're pretty chill. Mm-hmm. Most respected media platforms never shill a project. And if you're sitting there following the person that shills the next hot thing, you're not doing the right thing. If you're following the channels that will explain tech, that will explain projects, that will teach you what to look for, that will make more sense. Now, that's the main area to source your information. Now, I'm going to give a more controversial second thing you could look, you could do is that there's also value in embedding yourself within those communities that shill projects and and maybe not shill projects, don't only shill projects, but talk about the the exciting side of the web. For example, this project did this, or this influenced the DAO, or this created the DAO. I'm really referring to the NFT community. The NFT community is still very childish relative to the rest of the crypto community. And most of us crypto, you know, OGs, whatever term you want to use, kind of look down at the NFT community as that, hey, this is a fad, they won't last. I think this is a mistake embedding yourself within that community, not to invest in the next sexy project, but to understand the community and understand what they look for is a skill that that got a lot of people massive ROI last year. Um, so if you do that in the bear market and understand the ecosystem, you'll have an edge for when the market improves. So number one is look for educational content that don't shield project. Number two is go deep down in that quote-unquote degen community. They may shield projects, but they also... Um, you also start to understand the various players, the various projects, and what causes a project to gain value. Okay, cool. Thank you. Um, what barriers do you think there are to entry? Let's speak about crypto specifically for this one then. What barriers are there to to entry for people who are looking to maybe invest in crypto or you know, start trying to understand it? Yeah, um, there's a few barriers because it's still um, relatively early. The barriers I would, I would consider the most severe is 
the first one is again going back to education mm -hmm. by far the most important one people still don't understand what nfts are which is mind-boggling to me because to me it's so simple it's like hey you can own something online like actually own it the same way you own something you put in your pocket you can own something online without a third party saying that you own it where they own it technically um that was very easy for me to understand but still people don't explain they, they they think vr is the metaverse where no metaverse is a is a web is a, is a digital representation of the physical world it's a place where you can own things the same way you can own things in the physical world people don't understand that gamers don't understand web3 gaming so you've got smart people that are saying foolish things because they don't understand the definition of various terms they think web3 gaming or play to earn is a is a way to play purely for the purpose of owning uh, of earning money whereas whereas earning money is only one of multiple factors within the web3 gaming ecosystem so there's all these examples of where education is still the main hurdle and then you've got the obvious ones a lot of people just don't even know what a private key is to this day um so i'd say education is by far the biggest one because i think once education is resolved regulators will be more understanding which they're actually pretty good right now surprisingly they're doing a pretty good job in most countries regulators will be more more understanding uh, financial institutions will, will, will obviously invest more in this space. And again, that's already happening. So we're kind of past the hurdles we faced back in 2017, 2016, 2018, 2019. Um, but education remains the main hurdle. And that's relatively common with every new innovation. Mm -hmm. All right. With the, the whole crypto thing then, where do you think it's going? Looking at the, the last few years. Yeah. I'm extremely bullish. Like it's insane. I've never been this bullish. Uh, never been this bullish. It's it's crazy. Uh, a bit foolishly bullish. Um, I've got companies outside of crypto, and I'm just moving all my resources, all my capital, all my efforts into IBC and, and what we're doing with crypto. IBC is doing extremely well. And we continue to scale. So, and I'm saying no to opportunities outside of crypto. That's how bullish I am. Why? Like we have killer use cases. I remember back in the last bull run, the discussion was, was you know, what's the killer use case for blockchain? Uh, we had all these different guesses. Will it be logistics? Will it be um, um, avoiding counterfeit goods? Will it be um, digital ownership? NFTs then became the hot thing. So there's all these different things where we kind of have an answer now. I think gaming is the killer use case that, Axie Infinity proved to make sense. Obviously, it wasn't sustainable back then just because the pure reason you'd play the game is to earn money because it was so early. But you've got a lot of money flowing into Web3 gaming as the early adoption of digital ownership in Web3 comes in. You've got um, Bitcoin acting as a, as, a, as a way to transfer value, Bitcoin and other stable coins. And you've got countries, someone told me yesterday or today, the Latin American country, Venezuela, um, the majority of people hold their savings in USDC. For me, that's what matters. Mm -hmm. um, you've got, so that's another use case that you have, and you've got all these institutions pouring money to into various applications of, of decentralization, mainly through digital ownership, which seems to have taken a lot of the attention right now. And of course, the metaverse. So again, I'm talking about the open metaverse, not virtual reality. So there's just so, so many indicators that we're, at a different stage than we were before. And then what makes me more bullish is the valuations. Things are so freaking cheap. I always use this as an, as an example. There's a company that valued their domain for $200 million last year. Natasha, 
their domain, they valued it at two, more than $200 million. The entire company today is worth $10 million, if not less. I'm like, far out. $200 million was too much, but $10 million is too little as well. So we're just acquiring a lot of assets because we know what to acquire and we know where the space is heading and we get incredible deals. And that's been extremely, extremely positive for us. So that's that's my two cents. Like it's it's I'm just so excited, so excited. Yeah, I can see give off a good energy with it. All right. Um back to diversity then. Where do you think um you know perhaps companies that you invest in, for example, where do you think they should be focusing their diversity efforts? Um One thing I've seen is that VCs, so in our ecosystem, it's, it's shifting now, but we deploy capital in countries we know have a, there's good reasons to avoid countries like, and I'm talking about diversity from, a, from an ethnic um, perspective, and not a gender in this case. Actually, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll do both. I'll do the ethnic one first. So VCs avoid investing in, in countries like Nigeria, countries like you know, in some cases, India, but that's changing pretty quickly. Eastern Europe, there's some countries that just don't get that same representation. Like um, African startups significantly underperform other countries. Now, there's logical reasons for that. I'm a very logical person. There's logical reasons for that. The success rate of, of African country uh, companies is significantly lower than other country, uh, uh, countries. But the other reason, which is more important, is the legal system isn't as powerful. So in, in African countries, if you have a startup that raises money and then just takes the money and walks away, they don't have that same accountability as an American startup. So that puts us in murky waters. What I recommend for founders is if someone is based in Nigeria and you want to mitigate your risk and not invest in them, I'll keep using Nigeria as an example just because, but there's multiple examples. And by the way, Nigerian ecosystem is doing extremely well relative to a few years ago. That makes sense. But if you see a Nigerian person working in the UK and maybe as a, as a UK citizen or they've moved their headquarters to the US or whatever, they've taken steps to be compliant from a legal perspective or taking steps to ensure that the risks of a, of a, of a legal system not being strong enough to protect the investor is mitigated, then give them a fair shot like you would a Western uh, startup. So that would be one thing I'd recommend from the VC ecosystem. Another thing I'd recommend is from a gender perspective, like it's very easy for me. It means nothing to me. Why should it mean anything to anyone else? And um, I would not. And, and the third thing I'd say is I would open my mind to digital, to, to Web3 decentralized reputation, which is pseudo-anonymous identities. It used to be like unheard of a few years ago. Now it's frowned upon, but some VCs accept it. And you've got some incredible companies built by anonymous founders. Anonymity is, is, is a risk, but anonymous people that have actually built a digital representation have proven through their actions that they can be trusted. And there's digital ways or decentralized ways to kind of mitigate your risk. I think we should have a more open mind to those things. Two reasons. Most people are like, actually, I'll, I'll, one reason I'll focus on. Most people are like, okay, if someone is not going to do anything wrong or hasn't done anything wrong, why would they want to be pseudonymous? Goes back to exactly your point. Um, we don't have the diversity we need. A lot of people feel underrepresented or, or not treated equally. So building a pseudonymous identity, like the example I gave earlier, 
is make sense to them. And I think it's it's pseudonymous identities again for our society. It could be a massive step in the right. Yes, I can hear you again now. I think that was uh, my which place? Anyway. Where did it drop out? Um, you were saying about the pseudonymity. Um, yeah, pseudonymity allows. I think it's going to be one of the biggest things to allow misrepresented people in society to have a fair shot. Mm-hmm. Cool. All right. Well, um, we normally try and keep these to about half an hour. So I'm going to ask you one more question and then ask you to leave a question for our next guest. Um, and the last question is a bit more general, like any other wisdom or insights or predictions, something that you want to get off your chest and share with the with the audience? Yes. You have to be able to become unemotional when it comes to investments and decision-making in business, especially in crypto. Mm -hmm. When you make an investment that you say to yourself, okay, this is a one-year investment, it means you don't look at the chart for one year. That's number one. Number two, you have to learn to separate yourself from the herd. When the market is blowing up, everyone loves to tweet things like WGMI, Wagney, we're all going to make it, WAGMI. And then everyone thinks that things are only going to go up. But when the market corrects, as it should, everyone thinks crypto's dead and moves to the next thing. If you are one of those people, you're going to be what they call exit liquidity. You're going to be the one dumped on. You're going to come in when everyone's excited, and then you're going to sell when everyone's too scared, which where you should exactly do the opposite. So if you're able to be educated and unemotional in crypto, and I'm talking about investing and trading in this case, or even building, but in this case, investing and trading mainly, you have a massive edge over most people in the space because most people in the space are more immature than other spaces than other industries because it's such a new space. That means they're more emotional, they're more illogical, and they're more of a sheep. So that will be probably the, 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 the thing that I that I even myself, I trained myself to do. Like I made a really big investment in a, in a project end of last month in a decentralized social platform called Diesel. And if you look at the chart of Diesel, since I made my investment in a bit because of my investment, it picked up really heavily. It went up from, I think it was like $6 to 20 something dollars. I've, I've invested in over 150 projects. I mean, privately, private investments. And when you're investing privately, your tokens, your money's locked. So you have no choice. You cannot sell. But when you invest in a listed token, which I rarely do, I think this is one of my biggest, if not my biggest investment in a listed token. I'm like, fuck, I can actually check the price right now because it's listed. And I can sell. Oh, it's worth $24. Now it's 15 I lost whatever amount of money. I started getting emotionally connected. So yesterday, I literally said to myself, I deleted it from my, my favorite web pages. Even me, again person that runs a big company in the space, invested a lot, I fell into this trap. I didn't sell my tokens because I'm not stupid, but I still looked at it and, and I, my emotions were dictated by the chart, which is horrible. 
So obviously I just ignored it now. I'm not going to look at it at all. And, and I told my, told my CFO to never message me about it every time it spikes up or spikes down. So that to me is the most important thing. And, and the other thing I tell everyone is whenever, when there's blood in the waters, that's when you should be excited. I think it's Warren Buffett quote that I, I uh, butchered. When everyone is scared, when everyone's fearful, everything is cheap. When someone is scared means they're already sold. Again, when someone is scared means they're already sold. So when most people are scared means most people sold. There's not many people left to sell. Now, there's only buyers that will be coming in more than people that will be selling and vice versa. When everyone is excited about the space saying, we're going to make it, we're going to go to the moon, that means they're already invested. And soon they're going to have to take profit off the table. So mm-hmm. that's what most people, this is basic, basic, basic information that most people still fail to apply. Like it. All right. Well, we will leave it there then. Can you think of a question to leave for our next guest? What's one thing you've done within the Web3 ecosystem that you're not proud of? Okay, I like it. How's this for a question? Yeah, we'll wait and see who comes on next. Uh, I'd love, I'd love the answer. Hit me, hit me up. I'd love to hear their answer. <laughs> Will do. And tell them, I tell them, tell them Mario asked this question, and he'll be watching the episode to make sure they answered it correctly. <laughs> Yeah, honestly, no, I think uh, I think it's an interesting question. I like these ones that bring people out of their comfort zone a little bit. It's good. Exactly. Right, well, thank you, uh, thank you so much for coming on again for spend, spending some of your time on this fine Sunday with us. Um, much appreciated, and um, I will let you know when we're live. Perfect. Thank you so much. I appreciate your time. Thank you. Bye bye. Bye bye.